Welcome to Not Your Average Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler, a.k.a. TG. We got a lot to talk about today. Not as much sports as usual, but I'll find a way to loop it in. Don't you worry about that. So, starting off with a little news. Um, a report by eMarketer says we spend more time on our phones now than our, on TV. And a little stat to back that up. Uh, adults spend about 3 hours and 43 minutes on their mobile devices daily compared to 3 hours and 35 minutes on TV. Now, I understand how the phone can be important. Yes. There are th- we want to keep up with our lives. Yes. You might be texting someone important, something important might happen, you never you could be getting calls. But this is getting to a point where it's getting ridiculous. We can't be addicted to our phones and mobile devices like this. Granted, I'm on my laptop almost the entire day, so I'm also included in this, but there's it's we we need to be more we need to be more social. Let's let's go with that. Um there's it's we especially on the phones. The phones we don't need to be on as much. I mean just interacting with your roommates or your friends or family or literally anyone that's within your vicinity, your general vicinity, it can make for a it can enhance your it'll enhance your life. I mean just ma- you need to make social interactions. This is why we're losing the ability to communicate face to face. We, as a society, are just becoming addict too much addicted to our device, our mobile devices, our TVs, and we. It, it just. I don't think it's going to be able to fix. Be able to be fixed, honestly. Because they're just making mobile devices more and more addicting and they're trying to make TV shows that are also more and more addicting or binge watchable. And that's a, it's a sad thought. It is. But I, like I said, I don't think it's going to be able to be fixed. It just doesn't seem like it's going to be able to happen. We're just going to get to the point where we don't have a lot of activity a lot of physical activity anymore. At least that seems like the general trend where we're going to, but we'll leave that for a, another day. Um, so I came across this article that said a couple saved their marriage by using active listening. Now, um, I, I, I honestly, I don't even know where to start on this. Um, you should be using active listening in all of your relationships first off because if you're not taking the time to actively listen to your your relationships with your friends, your significant others, your um, spouses, then why are you with them? I mean you should you should give your significant other your um, friends, your family, your spouses, you ha- you should be giving them all of your attention and should be giving them your active listening. 
you should be able to take in what they're saying and make sh and respond to it in a way that is helpful for both of you. Um, personally, I, I, I mean, I know I haven't been in a relationship since senior year of high school, um, but you can still use active listening just for your daily interactions with your friends or with people or the, with the people that you even care about. You don't even have to, it doesn't have to just apply to marriage or a, a boyfriend girlfriend situation or boyfriend, boyfriend, whatever. Doesn't matter. This can be applied to every single relationship that is out there. And we need to be, and this can stem back to a little bit of what I've talked about from my news segments from the last three days, honestly. Active listening is huge. You have to be able to process what you're, uh, what the person, the other person in the relationship is saying and be able to actively respond in a way that can benefit or, well, not that just benefits you. You want to benefit the relationship. But you just have to be active listening. And it's it's getting to the point where we're not always listening to the other side of the relationship, the other partner in the relationship. And it's really getting, it's, it's just not a great situation. But you have to be able to, if your marriage, your um, significant other relationships, your friends' relationships are bad, then you have to – active listening is the way to jumpstart fixing the relationship. I mean, once you can figure – if you can talk out what the problem is and – be actively listening to hear what the problem is, you can respond to it and you can fix whatever problem it is. Hopefully. I mean, it's not the, it's not the surefire way to fix a relationship, but it's definitely probably the best way to fix a relationship because that way you at least know what the problem is and you can know whether you can fix it or not. Uh, it, it just gets at me personally and um because eh, i i don't want to dive any further into that because we have to move on we have other topics to talk about such as my last news topic jennifer aniston said she's up for a friend's reunion absolutely get on this friends is one of my favorite shows we need to get on this. A friend's reunion is absolutely necessary. I don't care how long it's been. We it, it Seeing all of the friends cast get back together for even... It doesn't even have to be like a reunion episode or anything. Just seeing them get back together, that will make news. And friends it's just an outstanding show if you haven't taken the time to binge watch it on netflix or re-watch it again re-watch it absolutely take some time re-watch uh, or excuse me let me restart that um if you haven't seen friends go on netflix right now and watch it 
because it's an absolute national treasure. So many memes, so many jokes, so many running things have been used over the years and are still being used. The the ep- the episode where Ross says he's fine in the absolute greatest voice that he could have possibly said that quote in has I've used that myself personally, but the, it's just it's just a great show, and you have to watch it to understand how great it truly is. And we uh, the reunion. Let's make let's get this together, guys. Let's make this happen. A friends reunion is gonna is it, it will make headlines. I guarantee that. Um, but anyway, let's move on to some sports for, from yesterday and today. Um, game three of the NBA finals last night, the Raptors came away with a 14 point win in Oakland against the shorthanded Warriors without KD and Clay. Um, the Raptors had 10 blocks to the Warriors three. Also, the Raptors shot 52.4% from the field to the Warriors' 39.6. The Raptors were lightening up from the field. Um, Also, um, the Raptors shot 44.7% from three compared to the Warriors' 33.3. Also, the Raptors shot almost 12% better from the free throw line. Um. Also, Steph Curry decided he had 47 points, and they still lost by 14 shorthanded. So that tells you if the Warriors don't have Clay or KD moving forward, the Raptors should wrap this series up in five. Excuse me. Um, it, you could just tell from the beginning. The Raptors looked the better team, and they knew they had more talent on the court. So it wasn't exactly a surprise when the Raptors came out with the win. Uh, the Warriors, they did the best they could to keep it close. Steph, he he played hero ball, and he had to because he's basically the only one that can score for them when Clay and KD are out. So he did, uh, Steph, he had to do what he had to do. Um, but it, it's – it is what it is. The Raptors are up 2-1 in the series. We'll see. I think Clay, they said Clay is likely to play in tomorrow's game 4. Now, I'll obviously preview game 4 tomorrow, but um we'll we'll look at we'll look into that more today so that I can have more information to be able to talk about it tomorrow. But anyway. So, Stanley Cup Finals Game 5 is tonight also. Here's how I see this going. Um, so the Bruins will be up 4-3 to three in the third period, late in the third period. The Blue, the St. Louis Blues will pull, pull their goalie, Jordan Bennington, to put an extra attacker on the ice. And I think the Bruins will score in the empty net and win the game 5-3. to three. That that's that's where I see this this game going tonight. Um, uh, I mean, 
the the Bruins have shown the ability to be able to score a lot of goals. I mean, look at game one. They, they, I believe the score was 6-2. to two. And then in game three, they did it in St. Louis 7-2. to two. I mean, their ability to play off it. I mean, I don't know if it's just because Jordan Bennington, he's a <coughs> – excuse me. I don't – I don't know if it's because Jordan Bennington is a rookie in goal, which makes this run even more impressive for the Blues, in my opinion. Um, but I, I, I think Tuka Rask will find, or uh, Boston's goalie will find a way to get get himself right enough to be able to stop enough shots to be able to win this game. Now, me and me and my roommate have had a, a running a little, a little bit of a running jokes against Tukarask because he uh, he hasn't been the greatest goalie in games that I've watched, in my opinion. But he's not a terrible goalie. He he just lets things happen sometimes that you're like, "What are you doing, bro?" Like, come on. You got to be better than that. Um, but Vladimir Tarasenko for the Blues, he needs to. He, I haven't really heard much out of him this series besides scoring a goal in Game Four. So he needs he needs to step up for one. Um, also, uh, Zdeno Chara has a broken jaw, has not been automatically ruled out for Game Five yet. From what I've seen, I haven't seen any. Um, I haven't seen anything yet that says otherwise, but they uh, they said that he wasn't um, he wasn't uh, ruled out automatically for Game Five tonight. Um, so, um, and if you don't know about Zdeno Chara, he's uh, what is he six eight six nine. He's one of the, he's got to be the tallest player in that has ever played in the NHL, and he's a defenseman, which is kind of interesting. But the Bruins star players Brad Marchand, um, David Pasternak, they need to get themselves together if they want to be able to be able to get this win tonight in in Boston in TD Garden. And be able to make sure that they go back to St. Louis with the series up three-two, and a chance to walk away with the Stanley Cup tro- uh, Stanley Cup trophy in St. from St. Louis in Game Six on, I believe it's Sunday. Yes, yeah, Sunday. Um, but we'll 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 we'll, we'll, we'll recap the game tomorrow. You'll you'll hear more about it tomorrow. Because we we have a lot of sports content for tomorrow. I just just a heads up. All right. So to the Netherlands, England. I mean, shit. Excuse me. To the Portugal Switzerland semifinal of the UEFA Nations League yesterday, there was a controversial penalty given to Switzerland given to Switzerland that I think was absolute garbage. That penal that was not a penalty. He tripped on his own feet. I, VAR, 
get it right. We have instituted video assistant referees into this, into the game of soccer, to be able to make sure that we have the highest quality of soccer and that we make calls right. That was not a penalty. And it pisses me off. I don't care, I don't care if it it tied the game up. But Portugal had a a counterattack run the other way that would have resulted in a penalty on that on that end of the field. And it it should have been two nothing Portugal at that point. And it just pisses me off that VAR gets that wrong. I don't understand how the referee can possibly call it a penalty. It, it, it makes no sense to me. I'm a little frustrated with it, as you can tell. But, I mean, I'm still happy I got my prediction right of Portugal 3, Switzerland 1. But, oh my God, I'm so frustrated with that call. VAR just has to get that right. I mean, Switzerland looked like the better team, but they just couldn't finish in the final third. They created more attempts. They had more possession. They had better pass accuracy. They had three yellow cards. I'll give Switzerland that. Switzerland was out here fouling a little aggressively for my liking. Portugal didn't have any yellow cards, but... um, So that sent... Switzerland to the third place match Sunday morning and sent Portugal to the final um, Sunday afternoon. They they'll await the winners and lose the winner and loser of the Netherlands England game today. The big storyline here: Will Harry Kane be in the starting lineup for England? Because if he is, that's great. But he's he. He had to come back from an injury, and his first game against Liverpool in the Champions League final, he didn't look great. He he just he did he wasn't the Harry Kane that we all know. Um, and I don't know if he's had enough time to be able to get him, excuse me, get himself together to be able to play in a huge semifinal like this, because. As they said during the broadcast, they are playing for $12 million for their country. Now, that may not seem like a lot, but that can be put towards future development and put towards better better things um, for your country, country's soccer program. Um, and plus, this is the first year or the first iteration of this UEFA Nations League. So, And I think this tournament has been a rousing success. I've followed it since the beginning back in September. Um, this tournament's been fun to watch and I can't wait for the Con- for CONCACAF or the, the confederation that the U S is under to be able to institute this in the fall because I'm excited. The way this works is it's very interesting. Um, basically the, there's four leagues. Well, at least for UEFA, there's four leagues divided all 50 all 55 of the countries under the UEFA banner um and they all get together and basically it's how you would think the worst teams are ranked towards in league D and you work your way up to league C league B league A you have promotion relegation for pretty much every league league D you can only get promoted league A you can only get relegated but 
the winners of each group in League A get to play in the semifinals. So, it's fun. It's it's a fun tournament, that's for sure. Um, but I see. I I think England wins today, two to one. That that's my final prediction. There, we'll see about it. We'll re- we'll recap it tomorrow if I have time. I don't know because I'm gonna have a lot of content tomorrow. But we'll see. MLB draft: Three JMU pitchers got selected yesterday. Shelton Perkins goes 468th overall, 16th round to the Orioles. Dan Goggin selected 508th, goes to the seven in the 17th round to the Mets. And Kevin Kelly selected 580th overall in the 19th round to the Cleveland Indians. Um, some stats: Shelton Perkins stats: 3.08 ERA, seven and two. One save. These are career notes, by the way. 73 innings pitched, 25 earned runs, 30 walks, 106 strikeouts, and a 200 batting average against. Um, Dan Goggin, he, his stats for his career at JMU. 5.68 ERA. That's, that's definitely higher than you would like to see. 5-5, five and five, one save, 65 innings pitched. 41 earned runs, 25 walks, 65 strikeouts, and a 285 batting average against. And lastly, Kevin Kelly's stats from his time at JMU 337 ERA, 15 and 13, three saves, 189. Excuse me, 189 and two thirds innings pitched. 71 earned runs, 48 walks, 207 strikeouts, and a 244 batting average against. So, those three guys have been drafted now. We'll we'll see if everyone makes the decision to go to the majors or go to the pros. Um uh we it's 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 an honor to have four JMU guys, JMU baseball guys get drafted. It is. It hasn't happened in some time, I believe. Um, so it's good to see some JMU guys get some good, get some well-deserved recognition for, and it, and they were all pitchers too. All four of them drafted were pitchers because we had a great, we had a pretty good pitching staff. Uh, they set records in JMU baseball history. That I mean, I know that for a fact. And it's good to it's good to see JMU guys just get drafted. I mean, whether they all go or not, it's it's it, I'm glad to see it. It it is it's a point of personal pride as an as an alumni of JMU now. Um, but moving on, um, a, l- a little more baseball. Just, I mean. A little more Major League Baseball. Craig Kimbrell finally signed with the team. The big closer who was with the Red Sox. Um, the, my Cubbies decided to sign him. And this could be good or bad. Because honestly, I think our problem with pitching, we didn't have a we didn't have a bona fide closer. I know. So that, that does close up the closer role. For sure. But our relievers are the problem too. We need relievers that can get we can we need our starters are good for the most part. The relievers are the problem. 
We need someone to be able to bridge. We need players or pitchers that can bridge the gap between our starters and Craig Kimbrell. Now, I'm excited to see what Kimbrell can do for the Cubs. I don't know if he'll have a massive impact on us. I just know he's definitely – no one's challenging for the closer role now. Craig Kimbrell is the closer for the Cubs, and that's not changing anytime soon. Now, the Cubs were up 8-3 to three last night against the Rockies and almost decided to blow that game because the final score was 9-8, so I don't know what they're trying to do over there. But the Cubs have taken down the Rockies two uh, two games in the two games they've played so far. The Rockies were hot coming into this series. I'm I'm the Cubs are getting my expectations back up again, but again, we'll we'll leave the more detailed Major League Baseball stuff for later. Um, another news: the men's men in men's college basketball. The three-point line is being moved back to the international distance. So this is just another example of men's college basketball trying to be more like the NBA. Because um, they said that they, they cited that they wanted more space for defense to be able to, or they wanted, they wanted defense to be able to cover or more or have more ground and less threes being taken. They don't want teams to rely on threes is the reason they cited for moving it back to the international distance. Now, the international distance isn't as uh, far away as the NBA three-point line. <coughs> but it is... It is it is a step towards moving towards the NBA like the NBA. Um, also, they after a re offensive rebound in college in college basketball this year in men's college basketball, they reset the shot clock to twenty, not thirty now. So that's also like the NBA because an offensive rebound in the NBA, I believe the clock is reset to what is it? Um, fourteen, I believe it is. I think that's right. Um, but again, just another example of men's college basketball starting to become more and more like the NBA. Don't be shocked in the next couple of years if you see men's college basketball go to the quarters, the four quarter system. Um, I, it's coming. I know for a fact. I've been inside these discussions. I it's it's coming. It's just not happening yet. They're trying to make college basketball, men's college basketball, as much like the NBA as they can. Because they, they want to entice kids to be able to go to college and not just skip college and go straight to the pros, which you don't necessarily, it's, it's nice to have the education, but if you have the talent to be able to play basketball in the pros, and make money doing it, then, you know, you, you really are set playing basketball. But like I said, we can have that discussion another day. My last thing that I have for today's podcast, the roster for the CONCACAF Gold Cup was released this morning um, for the U.S. men's national team. 
uh, a couple highlights. We have, of course, my number one goalkeeper, Zach Steffen, who is not playing in ML or won't be playing in MLS anymore. I can tell you that. He signed with Man City, but I'm hearing rumblings that Man City is going to put him on loan in the Bundesliga or in the German League. So we'll see how that works out come um, the August. Come August, we'll see how that works out. Tyler Adams, I've I know he's been injured, but I like this guy who's been playing for Leipzig in the Bundesliga. This this kid, he's going to be a good defender. I'm telling you. Michael Bradley, you always love to see Mr. Captain America come back for the team. Christian Pulisic, you know I'm excited to see him back on the field with the U.S. men's national team. This is actually his Gold Cup debut because he, uh, I believe he was injured during the last Gold Cup in 2017, which we did win. Thank you. Um, Jordan Morris, who scored the game-winning goal in against Jamaica in the 2017 Gold Cup Final. That was an epic game. It really was. And lastly, Joe, well, not lastly, Josie Altidore. I love this man who plays for Toronto FC in the MLS. Love him. He's a great guy. He's a thick guy, but he's a great guy. And lastly, Jazzy Zardes. I've been asking for him for a long time because I believe he has what it takes to be great on this national team. Um, he plays for Columbus crew in the MLS and I'm excited for this lineup. This lineup is one that can win the gold cup and definitely it, they definitely should make the final or come close to it anyway, but we'll preview that as it starts in the next couple weeks. But you know, it's been great. So we'll see. Um, thank you for listening today. Uh, we always appreciate your listens and we'll see you tomorrow with new content.